Bible says to be angry and not sin. We also see that Jesus became angry at times. Join us as we learn what the Bible says about being angry without sinning. In this message, Godly Anger. Take your Bibles out. Turn with me this morning to Matthew 21. The children are going to be going ahead and uh, going out with uh, Pastor Lisa. Amen. For Children's Church this morning. Got their palm branches. Don't beat each other too hard with them. Praise God. At least it's like a wet noodle. It don't hurt, you know. I had two little boys come in. They got those palm branches this morning. Man, they went right into a good sword fight with them. Amen. In fact, there they go now. I'm telling you, I like them little guys there. Sister Nancy, she went out and found her a couple of kids to bring to church this morning. Amen. I was talking to a brother the other day. He's talking about opening day of turkey season. He said, the youth get to go a week early. He said, I'm trying to borrow a kid so I can... <laughs> he can get a jump on turkey season. <laughs> oh, brother Grady, God bless his heart. Amen. You found your place in Matthew chapter 21? Say Amen. Hallelujah. Let's, let's look at verse 1 together, if you would, with me. It says, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied, and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. Verse 4, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting up on an ass, the colt, the fold of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their coats, and they set him thereon. Verse 8, and a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strew them in the way. And the multitude that went before and that followed, crying, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let's stop just a minute and say that. Say, Hosanna. Hosanna. Come on, say it like you mean it. Hosanna. Hosanna. Praise God. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 10, And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Verse 12, And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things which uh, that he did, and the children crying in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased, and said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, Yea, I'm saying, Yea, have ye never read 
Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. And he left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you this morning. Lord, asking that you open the, the eyes, God, that we can see this morning what you want to say to the church in 2010. God, when I look at the church, God, I don't know how you see it, but I've got a pretty good idea, Lord, that the church is not what you really intended for it to be. And, Lord, today I just ask, God, that you give us influence, Lord, in the kingdom of God so that we can have words, Lord, that are not words of our own, but words that are prompted by your Holy Spirit, God, that will take the church, Lord, and shake it. God, out of the, the stupor and the sleep, God, and the slumber that it has fallen into, God, and wake it up, Lord, so that we can become a powerful force in the earth that you intended the church to be, Lord. And God, that you can send us forth with power, Lord, that we can make a difference in this world, Lord. Because, God, you didn't put the church here to be a, a, a silent sleeping thing, God, but it, it is a giant, God. It is a force to contend with. And, Lord, I pray that you raise us up to be a mighty army of God through the revelation of your word. Now, God, it is quick and powerful, God. I pray the day that you reveal it to us, Lord, and that it become instruction in righteousness, Lord, to us today. And, God, that it shows us the way that you want us to go. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Now, the recent events of this week is cause for great concern. The events that I'm talking about is the arrogant defiance of our government and our Congress. The arrogant defiance of our government who chooses to usurp their authority and their will over the will of the people that elected them and put put them in place. And that is cause for great concern. And I believe, people, this will not be forgotten, nor will it go unanswered come November. When people go to the election booth and they cast their vote and exercise the right that we have as Americans. And they're going to find out that we're not going to take this sitting down. I believe that they have woken a sleeping giant. The people who sat around and just said, well, what will be, will be. And have really done nothing to get involved and has allowed this Congress and this government to come to the place that it has. Americans are angry today because of what has happened this week. But what our government needs to fear is not necessarily the people that goes to the voting booth in November. It is my firm conviction this morning that what our government needs to fear to fear this morning is their arrogant defiance of the Almighty God. When our government stands and renounces Christianity and proclaims that this, our nation, that was founded on the principles of God's holy word, when the Puritans came to this soil to give us the freedom to worship the Judeo-Christian God, And they have the audacity to stand and say, this is not a Christian nation. 
when they bow in reverence to a communist dictator of North Korea, when they are praised by the communist dictator of Cuba, Fidel Castro, as miracle workers, they extend a warm welcome to Islam and the God of the Muslim faith, while at the same time they refuse to honor prayer to the Lord God Almighty on the National Day of Prayer. They pass laws that makes it a, a mandate that you and I pray, pay for the murder of unborn children. Then, as if all of that is not bad enough, they turn around and insult the prime minister of Israel, Netanyahu, by getting up and walking out of the dinner that is set to honor him. I believe that not only are the Americans angry, I can't speak for God, but I believe in my heart that God is angry. And just like... There will be an answer from the American people in November. I believe an answer is coming from God on Judgment Day. And I'm not talking about the Judgment Day. I'm talking about God could answer any time. And I believe that He will. I believe God is angry this morning. The Scripture declares that when we renounce God, it brings judgment. In Psalms chapter 33, I want you to read it with me. It says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. When our government thinks it's so smart, in the eyes of God, He's like, you think you know all of that, don't you? Well, I've got news for you. It says, He makes the plans of the people of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. Look at your neighbor say, that, that means us. To all generations. Verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And contrary to what... Can you tell I'm a little upset this morning? Contrary to what our government says, America still belongs to the Lord God Almighty, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The people He has chosen as His own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of His dwelling, He looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. Aren't you glad I ain't got an answer for the government? He fashioned my heart, and I don't have to comply to what they say spiritually. Thank you, Jesus. He considers all their works Verse 16 says, No king is saved by the multitude of an army. 
A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. The horse is a, is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eyes of the Lord is on those who fear Him and on those who hope in His mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our hearts shall rejoice in Him because we have trusted in the holy, in His holy name. Let Your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in You. And the reason I read that is because I believe God is going to answer our government for their arrogant defiance against Him. And I am praying, God, don't let Your judgment fall on the righteous along with the evil people who now rule this nation. And I say rule, not lead this nation. Because there's a difference in a leader and a ruler. A leader says, come and go with me, and you follow him because you like where he's going. A ruler takes you places you don't want to go. And right now we are not being led by our government. We are being ruled by it. When the government fears the people, that is freedom. But when the people fear the government, that is a dictatorship. And our government no longer fears the people, nor does it fear God. When they show disrespect toward Israel, Psalms 105 verse 6 says this, O ye seed of Abraham, his servants, ye children of Jacob, his chosen. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He hath remembered his covenant forever. And the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. You know what covenant that is? Look this way and I'll tell you. I will bless them that bless you. And I will curse them who get up and insult you. He doesn't forget His covenant. He said, I will remember it forever to a thousand generations. Verse 9 says, Which covenant He made with Abraham and His oath to Isaac. I don't believe God makes a promise and don't keep it. You say, why do I think judgment is coming? Because God don't make a promise and then not keep it. Verse 10, and confirm the same unto Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying unto thee, I will give the land of Canaan and a lot to your inheritance, which they were by few in number, yea, very few and strangers in it, when they went from nation unto another, from kingdom unto another people. He suffered no man to do them wrong. And that doesn't mean that they weren't in prison doesn't mean that they weren't beaten and sawed asunder and hid out in caves. It means that the people that did that had to answer for it. He didn't let it go unanswered. He reproved kings for their sake, saying, Touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. I believe God is ticked this morning because of the way our government is treating His holy people. Embracing their enemy and insulting them. And what about the murder of his little ones? 
Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, then said his disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Talking about children. And not only does our government choose to murder them, but he chooses to make you pay for it. The Bible says in Galatians 6 that God will not be mocked. Don't deceive yourself. God will not be mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I'm telling you this morning, folks, if I was a part of this administration, I would be on my face before Almighty God pleading for His mercy. But unfortunately, they have proven time and again that they do not fear God, nor do they fear you. So we as Christians, how are we to respond to this? Americans are angry. I believe God is angry. It is quite obvious I am angry about this. And I know that some of you are too. But the question is, is can we be angry and still please God? The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.26, Be angry and sin not. There is a godly anger. It's what I've titled the message today. Godly anger. There is an anger that you can have and still not sin. He said, let not the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, you don't brew on this forever and ever and ever. There needs to be a time period. Right now I'm angry. I know I'll get over it. But I'm a little bit upset at the moment. Now, today is Palm Sunday. All right. This is the day that we remember when Jesus rode what is called his his, uh, victorious... uh, his trip into uh, Jer- uh, into Jerusalem, to the holy city. And when he rode into Jerusalem, he rode into the midst of an angry crowd. America's not the only ones that's ever been angry about things, you know. <laughs> Jerusalem was pretty upset. And you know what they were angry about? A corrupt government. I mean, they had been in bondage for uh, for 600 years. In 606 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar went into Jerusalem and took them captive. And from that time all the way up until the time of Jesus, they had been slaves. Passed from one the, the, the Babylonians and then the Medes, the Persians. Now they're under the rule of Rome. And they have been dictated to where you will go, what you will do. That I mean, they were being taxed absolutely to death. <laughs> Sound familiar? <laughs> and they had had enough. And so when Jesus rode into the to the to the city of Jerusalem, man, they they had had it enough already, and they just wanted somebody to do something about this. And it's interesting that Jesus came to the earth. For that purpose. The Bible says that He came to establish His kingdom in the earth. Matthew 6.10 in His prayer, He says, Remember they said, Teach us how to praise that our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, and Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
That's the reason he came here was to do something about this. To establish his kingdom here. But when he rode into that angry crowd and they're thinking, yes! Deliverance has come. Our king is here. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What he did was a disappointment to those people. Because he didn't go in and do exactly what they wanted him to do. Because you know what they wanted him to do? Look this way and listen. Kill the king. He's the problem. It's, 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 it's that guy up there. Get him, Jesus. Just get him out. And our problems will be over. Come on in. We, we're looking for a king. We, we don't want no preacher. Now, see, they didn't, he, was a priest, a pre, he was a priest, a prophet, and a king. Amen? They didn't want a priest. Don't, don't come in here telling me, love your enemy. No, we're ticked right now. We don't want to hear that. Come on, are you hearing me? Don't tell me to love my enemy. I don't want no priest. I don't want no prophet. Don't tell me what you're going to do 2,000 years from now. Because it's been 2,000 years and still the king is there. Amen? They're wanting him dead now. So we don't want a priest. We don't want a prophet. No, what we want is a king. He's ruining everything. Jesus, don't you get this? He's taxing us to death. He's making us do things that we don't want to do. Get him. Do something. Are you still with me? I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of this story I heard this preacher tell. Uh, it's this true story. You like true stories, don't you? I like true stories. His wife decided to treat him for his birthday. And, and so they decided they were going to kind of do this birthday vacation thing. So she's going to take him up in a hot air balloon ride. And so they, they went to the, where the hot air balloon was already set up and everything. And, and uh, there was another couple actually going to go with them. So they stepped into this little basket, you know, and they introduced themselves to this other couple. said, hi, I'm, I'm Pastor so-and-so, and this is my wife. And they introduced themselves and talked about where they came from. And then this young pilot steps in, and they started their, uh, their ascent. And he said, it was pretty cool, man. He said, it was just crystal clear that morning, and it... And the air was nice and sharp, and you could just see like forever, you know. And he said, as that thing began to ascend, he said, I, I experienced an emotion that I didn't expect. Fear. <laughs> he said, I could tell when I looked at my knuckles and they were white because I was holding on to the rope so tight. And he said, I was grabbing onto that thing until I noticed that there was somebody else in the basket who was more fearful than myself said, it was my wife. He said, I could tell because she didn't move for the whole flight. He said, even when we got to the place that she loved horses, he said, it was this beautiful horse ranch behind her. And I said, honey, look, look at all those horses. And he said, I could tell because all she did was roll her eyes as far as she could. So it's like, yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> and so he said, I decided, well, I'd like to start a conversation with our pilot. I said, I would like to at least know, you know, why, why would somebody choose to do this? So, so he looked at the young man and he said, how is it that you started flying hot air balloons? 
You know, and he said, I, I was kind of hoping that he was going to give me an answer like he was a neurosurgeon or something looking for something to do on the weekends or he was an astronaut that didn't get to go to space, you know. He said, but brother, I knew we was in trouble when he said, well, dude, it was like this. <laughs> and come to find out that he was unemployed, he spent most of his time surfing. And he said, the reason I got into flying hard air balloons, he said, well, dude, it's like this. He said, dude, I was driving around one day in my truck and I had too much to drink and I crashed it. And I injured my brother. He still can't get around too good. And said, I was, didn't have my truck to drive. I said, dude, I was, I was watching one day and I saw this hot air balloon. I thought, whoa, dude, that'd give me something to do. <laughs> he said, and by the way, he said, when we start coming down in our descent, if it gets a little shaky, don't get upset, he said, because I've never flown one of these types before, and I don't know how it's going to respond. <laughs> he said, about that time, my wife looked at me and says, you mean to tell me that we are a thousand feet in the air with an unemployed surfer who started flying because he crashed his truck and injured his brother, and he don't know how to fly this thing. And he said, then the other couple's wife spoke up and said the only sentence they would utter through the entire flight. said, she looked, looked at me and said, you're a pastor. Do something spiritual. <laughs> I mean, what do you do in a moment like that? Let us pray. Yea, though we float over the valley of the shadow of death. We will fear evil. Because an unemployed surfer that don't know how to fly this thing is with us. I mean, what do you do? Well, this is where Jerusalem was. Because they are under the oppression of a self-absorbed government who worshipped themselves, who honored pagan religion, who dictated what they would do, where they would go, how much taxes they would pay, and who thought that they were the Messiah, God's gift to the kingdom. Yeah, Caesar. He thought he was God. Amen? Are you hearing me? And when Jesus come riding in, they're like, do something! Because you've got to understand the picture here. Today we've got palm branches here. And when Jesus came into the city, they waved the palm branches and said, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the Son of David. Because they knew prophecy. And in prophecy, it would be the seed of David that would be the Messiah, the king that would come to deliver his people and lead them into freedom and independence. And when they waved the palm branch, it was like waving the Israeli flag that we see today with the Star of David on it. It was the sign of Zionism. They were making a statement. We recognize that you are our king. And we recognize that you have come to set us free. And all Jesus had to do at that point is tell them to assemble the army. And Herod and Pilate would have never seen nightfall. 
because they would have taken their swords and the army would have rallied around him. And that's what they thought Jesus came to do. They're like, Jesus, we want you to do something. We want you to bring your judgment. Because they had known his miracles. And when they said, who is this that everybody is bowing down to? And when they said, it is the prophet Jesus who is from Nazareth. Everybody had heard about him. They heard about how he called Lazarus forth from the dead. How he fed the multitudes with the loaves and the fishes. They heard about how he opened the eyes of the blind. He made the, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. They knew the miracles that he had done. And they knew all he had to do was speak the word. And fire would have came from heaven and devoured the entire Roman army. They knew that. you got to understand what they were expecting from him and what they were asking him to do. But he disappointed them. Because instead of going in and overthrowing the government and bringing judgment and bringing it right now, it tells us in Matthew 21, verse 12, And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. You say, Pastor, what is he saying? What is really the message of Palm Sunday? Jesus is saying, look, people, I didn't come to overthrow the government. I didn't come here to overthrow the government. In fact, they tried to tempt him one time. Remember this? They came and said, are we supposed to pay taxes to the government or not? He said, why do you test me? Bring me a coin. And they handed him a denarius. And he looked at it and he said, whose insignia is this? They said, it is Caesar. Then he hands it back to him and said, then render to Caesar that which is of Caesar. And you render to God that which is of God. He said, I'm not coming to overthrow the government. No, my judgment will begin in the house of God. Are you hearing me, church? I'm ticked about the government. But I have to really look at where does the blame really lie this morning. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34 says this. Righteousness exalts a nation. Say that with me. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. So let me ask you a question this morning. If the exaltation of a nation is determined by either righteousness or sin, which one of these do you believe is directing our country today? Can we see righteousness in America today? Or do we see sin in America today? 
I believe in my heart, as goes the church, so goes the nation. And regardless of what our government attempts to do, they're trying to stamp out Christianity. Because I believe that there is an evil power in control of our government. I do. I believe that there's a great principality in control of our government. But regardless of what the government tries to do, it can never control the spiritual dynamic of the church, ever. They have tried. And every time a, a government tries to oppress Christianity, it always goes underground and grows. Always. Look at China right now. The church in China is exploding underground. They're praying for America. God knows we need their prayer. America is quickly becoming a mission field for other countries. India have people that want to come to America to witness to us and we need them here. They know what it is to trust God. Their only hope many times is God. They have universal health care. His name is Jesus. And brother, if He don't show up, a lot of them, they are going to die. Because He is their only hope for health care. And they understand that. Ask Jeannie and them that's been over there. When women will come up to you with a bottle of oil and say, pray for me, pray for me. Because that's their only hope. Can't afford to go to a doctor. The church is not influenced by the government. But I can tell you today that the church does have influence over the, over the government. They don't have influence over us or shouldn't. But the church always has had influence over the government, either for good or for bad, depending on what the church is doing. The church, if it will hold up righteousness, the government will follow. But when the church compromises, it will also set the course of government. Let me give you, everybody still with me, look this way. I'm going to give you an example. Two words. Jeremiah Wright. You don't think it influences our government when you compromise in the church? Are you hearing me? Say amen if you believe that's true. Any man that stand in the pulpit and pray for God to damn our nation... And influence a man to go and do just exactly that. This is kind of difficult, I know, for us to get a grasp on here at CVAG. Because here we preach a pure word of righteousness. Always have. We preach holiness. We preach faith. Yielding to the Holy Spirit. Dying to this nasty thing called flesh. Asking God to purify us and make us clean and whole. But unfortunately, what you witness here and what we've experienced here doesn't represent the church as a whole. And I'm not trying to pat ourselves on the back and say we are so much better than them. I'm not saying that. 
And, and I don't know what goes on outside the doors of our church. I'm here every Sunday for the past 11, well, 12 years now, I think, right at it, going on 12. Or, I don't know, how long have we been here anyway? A while. But I do hear reports. I mean, you can read articles. When you read about men in the pulpit, even in the assemblies of God, that's using methamphetamines because it helps them preach. And the people don't know the difference between a drug-induced man and the power of the Holy Spirit. When men in the pulpit are having multiple affairs with other men and women. Man gets up and he, 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 he says he leaves his wife for no biblical reason. Marry some young, cute little thing. Two weeks later, never leaving the pulpit, and stands and says, I am more anointed today than ever before. And the church stands and applauds him. People in the pulpit using credit cards to rent cars for a pimp and a drug pusher so that they can get prostitutes and drugs in return. So it's all hid and nobody knows what they're doing. What kind of influence does the church have on the government today? And we wonder, what is the spiritual compass that is directing our nation? If Jesus rode into America today on a donkey, would he go to the White House and try to straighten them out? Or would he go to the church house and straighten us out? Because you see, what's going on today is no different than what was going on in Jerusalem. What he did disappointed them. We're praying, God, bring you judgment, Lord. We want righteousness in the White House. Get them! Man, they're messing up everything. But I believe that God is not going to deal with the White House until he deals with the church house. I don't believe God can deal with the White House until He deals with the church house. And y'all send this message to everybody you can find. I believe the American church needs to hear it. Amen? Amen. So where does that leave us today? Knowing all this, does it change the fact that I'm still angry? No, I'm still pretty angry. (laughs) When the freedom that thousands of people has died for is being taken away from me, I don't like that. Telling me that I have to buy something, and if I don't, they're going to fine me, and if I don't pay the fine, they're going to put me in jail? Friend, that don't sound like freedom to me. Communism, socialism, I mean, you can label it a whole lot of things, can't you? Whatever it is, it's bad, amen? When they endorse the taking of innocent life and make me pay for it? When they put the IRS in deciding what doctor I'm going to go to? Man, I don't want to put the IRS in charge of anything I do. (laughs) Oh, we're going to set up a government-run program and it's going to work just like the Social Security, which is broke. And Medicare, which is 
broke. <laughs> Medicaid. Shoo, Lord Jesus Christ, help us today. So do we have the right to be angry? Well, yes, we have the right to be angry. Pastor, are you saying this morning we shouldn't be in ch- involved with government? No, I'm not saying that at all. We should be involved with government. We should try to change what's going on in government. The Apostle Paul spent his entire missionary journey with one goal in mind. Well, I mean, he had a goal in mind to bring the world to Christ, but there was one thing that was in his heart to do, and it was go to the seat of government and preach the gospel. He wanted to go to Rome. He wanted to get involved with the government. He was already involved with it before he became a Christian. He wanted to go to Rome. Throughout the Bible... We see our God's people involved with, with government. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't be involved with government. The righteousness in, in the Word of God was never expected to bow to the king when he was expecting you to do something unrighteous. You ever heard of a man named Daniel? Huh? Hananiah? Meshael? Azariah? Like, who are they? Well, you know them as Shadrach, a Meshach, and Abednego. Remember that? And the king, the Messiah that has come, going to save the nation. <laughs> Set up a golden statue and said, bow down and worship it. And they said, we will not bow down and worship your image. Sound familiar? Yeah. Well, we'll throw you in the fire furnace and see what your God can do for you. Can your God save you then? Yes, our God can save us. But even if he doesn't, I will still not bow. To your image. God never expects the righteousness to bow to unrighteousness in the Bible. So do we have a right to be angry? Yeah. Jesus didn't bow to Pilate. Don't you know I have the authority to kill you? He said, no man has the authority to take my life. Who do you think you are? No, you don't understand. I give my life freely. So can you be angry? Yes, you can be angry. I believe God is angry. When they honor pagan gods, especially after God has honored this nation, look how God has blessed our country. And then we turn around and, this is not a Christian nation? What? And show reverence to pagan gods, mistreat His holy people, abortion, the self-praise of government, yeah, God's angry. But the message today is this, church. You let God deal with the government, okay? Because when we get over into the, ang- the area of letting our anger turn into bitterness and hatred, then we have sinned. Because I wish no evil on our government or our president. I pray for them. Are you hearing me, church? I pray for them. But I also know you do not mock God and it go unanswered. He will answer. I promise you, He will answer. God has ruled. uh, He has judged rulers of nations throughout the entire Bible. Are you still with me? Say amen. Amen. One real quick example. What time is it? Am I going too long here? Are you still with me? 
Acts chapter 12, it says, Now upon, about that time Herod the king stretched out his hand and harassed some of, of the church. Man, it's, it's a bad idea to, to attack God's people. All right? Herod tried that. This is what he did. Verse 2, he says, Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he went further and seized Peter also. Oh, you like that, don't you? See, it's popular to attack Christianity today in America. It's a popular thing to attack Christianity in America. Which is kind of a good thing because, especially among our youth, they like to be on the underdog side, you know? And now that Christianity is the underdog, man, the youth is coming alive. They're like, whoa, we can join that, yeah. I'm a Christian because you don't like it. <laughs> yes. It's working in reverse on them. Yes, amen. So that's what was happening. He was oppressing the church. And so it pleased them to kill James. They arrested Peter. And you know the story how Peter was in prison and the angel came and kicked him in the side. I said, Peter, get up. Tie your shoes. Get your coat on. Come on with me. He went outside, he disappeared, and he went to the house, knocking on the door, and wrote, God bless her heart, she comes down and looks and sees his Peter and leaves the door locked and runs upstairs. Peter's at the door. They're like, what? No, it must be his angel. No, I'm telling you, he's at the door, and he's still pounding on the door. Let me in. You know, so finally they let Peter in. He tells them what God did. And then Herod finds out what had happened, and Peter got away, and he executed the guards. Now he's all mule-lipped and pouting about it, and he runs over to Caesarea, and because Tyre and Sidon had dishonored him, been causing some trouble, he went over there to bring some harm on them because he thought he was all of that. Do you understand what I'm saying? But when he got over there, they butted up to one of his servants, and they kissed up to him, you know. And then they threw this great big feast to honor Herod. And this is what they did in verse 21. Now on a set day, Herod, arrayed in the royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration unto them. And the people kept shouting, The voice of a God and not a man. Then immediately the angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Are you hearing me, church? You say, Well, Pastor, are you praying that God execute the president? Eat him up with worms? <laughs> Let me make it clear. No, I am not saying that. Because, in fact, if you do, that is witchcraft. Are you hearing me? You better be praying that God's mercy and favor be on our president. That God turn his heart. The Bible says that the heart of the king is in the hands of God. And he turns it like a river where he wants it to go. We pray for our president. I don't wish no evil on him. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is he is very foolish to think he can insult God and it go unanswered. Yeah. It will not go unanswered. Now we're to pray for the king. Peter tells us that even when they were being oppressed. He says to honor the king. What I am saying is that we are to focus on what Jesus focused on. When he rode into the city, he didn't go to the government's house. He went to the church house. He said, it is written, this shall be called a house of prayer. The blind, the blind should see and the lame should walk. We're to focus on the things that he focused on. We need to make sure that those who cannot see receive sight. 
America's walking in darkness. It is up to the church to be a light. Amen? Isn't that what he called us to be? The world, America, is walking on the wrong path. We're living in a lame nation. And it is the church that is to set the feet of those that are lame on the path that is straight and narrow and few there be that find it. That's what Jesus focused on. So what is the message of Palm Sunday? You can exercise your right to vote. You should. When you vote, that is a godly way to express your protest of or your support of those in government. You should vote. I believe that it is wrong for you to sit at home and not vote. Men and women shed their blood to give you that right. right. Yeah. And it's a dishonor and a disgrace to them to not go out and do what they have fought and give you the freedom to do. Yeah. You need to support what is righteous and pure. If that means calling your congressman and saying, I stand for righteousness. I believe it is wrong to say, I am against the government. Yeah. I'm not saying that this morning. I'm not against the government. I am for righteousness. Yeah. And when what the government represents is against righteousness, then I stand against that because I'm for righteousness. If it means attending a tea party, as long as you go with the right heart and the right attitude and you're not there in bitterness and hatred and spewing out venomous words of hatred and racial comments, that's a sin. But if you go because I, I, I uphold the unity of one man and one woman, United in holy matrimony. I uphold the sanctity of life of the unborn. I believe in the freedom to express your religion. I believe in the right to bear arms. I don't know if that's righteous or not, but I believe in it. Amen. God, guns, and guts, brother. What America was built on. Maybe in that order. I don't know. Praise God. Most of all, we are called to a house of prayer, folks. We're called to pray for our nation. Pray for those who rule it. Yes. Then leave them to God. Yes. Pray for the church. Pray for Israel. Yes. Pray that we can give sight to those that are in darkness in direction to those who walk on the wrong path. Amen? Amen. That's the message of Palm Sunday. I think that's the message America needs to hear today. So you want to know how you can deal with godly anger? That's the best way I can tell you. You still angry? Well, let's direct it in the right place. Say, God, bring revival to the church. Wake up the sleeping giant. And I believe he is, folks. I really do. Folks, I'm, I'm 55. How old am I now? 55, going on 56. And I, I've watched the news over the years. I've never heard them talk so much about Jesus and the church and our right to ex exercise our religious faith on primetime news. I believe God's doing something. He's hearing our prayer and working in ways that we don't see. Why is the government... Why don't you stand your feet so you're awake when I say... Why, why is the government being unveiled? I believe a whole lot of the things that's happening is making us mad, but I'm saying, hallelujah, the cloak is coming off, brother, and we are seeing the wolf for what he is. 
Don't act like you know sheep coming up here bad with me when you got your teeth glaring and growling and wanting to tear my juggler vein out. I know what you are. And even those who have no spiritual discernment can see what he, they are today. So is God answering our prayer? Yes, I believe He is. And some of the things that we're seeing that angers us, it's angering those who are asleep. Hallelujah! Wake up! And let's do something about this. Care if it's raining outside, get your car and go and vote. And don't put some demon back in there for crying out loud. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Glory to God. I can't endorse a candidate from the pulpit because it's against the law. Amen. So I won't do that. But I'm just saying, brother, if they serve Jesus with all their heart, and they got one ounce of brains, they don't need to be all that smart. If they're led by the Holy Spirit, I know they're going to take us in the right direction. I'd rather have a spirit-led dummy leading our country than the smartest demonic-possessed person on earth. Okay, how smart you are. Are you led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God? Because if you look in the Bible, every time we had a, a holy king leading the nation, he might not have been all that smart, but God blessed that, that nation because it was led by a man who was led by God. Amen. And I'm glad to get that off my chest. I feel better now. Amen. Did it make you feel better? I hope you're not mad at me. Does it make you feel better? Who's going to pray for the church? Amen. Pray for our nation. Who's going to pray for Israel? Who's going to pray for our government? Pray for our president. Well, let's pray. Father.